Welcome to episode one of Beer Here Now, the official Thornbridge Brewery podcast. I'm James Marriott. And I'm Adam Nicholson. Each month we're going to be taking you behind the scenes of the brewery, meeting the staff who make all your favourite beers and keeping up to date with the latest news and of course new beers. Uh, We are currently sat in the Stag's Head on Salter Lane in Sheffield with Simon Webster who is the um, CEO here at Thornbridge. Hi Simon. Hi. Um, Tell us a bit then about beer here now, what was the, uh, the idea behind this idea? I think the idea was to try and get all of the information that we we talk about every single day out to a broader market. You know, we, we sell 7 million pints of beer a year. I'd like to think not one person's drinking that. So there's a lot of people out there who are generally sort of um, engaged in sort of Thornbridge. So we've got a lot of things happening over the next sort of year. So we can talk a little bit about the future, a little bit about the past, and generally just keep everybody informed. So it's not just about um, a big advert for Thornbridge, is it? It's really about you know people who are interested in beer and Thornbridge in particular and getting just kind of a bit of an insight into what's happening there. I think it is, yeah, because again, you know, from a very small business that's grown over the last sort of 13 and 14 years, there's a lot of things to tell. There's a big wide audience out there, and we thought this was a perfect platform to do that. Okay, well, um, you'll quickly get a feel for what Beer Here Now is all about. We would love your feedback and your input about be it the show or the beers themselves. So um, you probably already follow Thornbridge Brewery, but you can follow the podcast as well, at Thornbridge Pod. Find us on Facebook and on Instagram, and of course on our website, beerherenow.co.uk. But without any further ado, let's get this beer show on the road. Behind the Beer. So here today with Rob Lovett. How long have you been at the brewer? Uh, I've been at Thornbridge since 2010 and I'm the head brewer. So what's the first Thornbridge beer you've tried? Jaipur, I think. Yeah, it would have been, yeah. So what's your current favourite Thornbridge beer? Uh, Lucas and I'm probably Jaipur as well, yeah. What's your favourite other brewery? Oof, now you're asking. Uh, probably Schoenrama in Bavaria. And similar to that, your favourite non-Thornbridge beer? Yeah, probably Schoenrama Hellis. Yeah. One Thornbridge beer that you'd love to bring back? That I'd love to bring back. There's too many, really, that come and go. Uh, Hook, probably. I'd like to bring that back, yeah. Make it Hook. Good, good call, good call. So these are quick-fire ones, right? Ready? Yep. Cask or keg? Keg. Can or bottle? Bottle. Sour or saison? Sour. Pale or porter? Pale. Cat or dog? Dog. Bus or train? Train. Kylie or Jason? Kylie. Ant or deck? Neither. Be careful on this one. Wednesday or United? Wednesday. Spring or summer? Summer. Tea or coffee? Coffee in the morning and tea throughout the day. <laughs> one final one, just as it's getting a bit cold. Hat or scarf? Hat. Thanks very much for your time, Rob. Follow us on Twitter at Thornbridge Pod. What Thornbridge means to me. Hello, I'm Adam, and I'm one of the hosts of Beer Now, and here's what Thornbridge means to me. So, Thornbridge was established around the time that I first moved to Sheffield, and at that time, um, I managed to get a couple of bottles of the um, Jaipur and Kipling. I'd not really had anything like that at the time, and not really had anything that had that citrus or tropical flavour. Or in terms of kind of a hop profile, there wasn't much around um, that really packed those types of American hops or New World hops. 
in terms of this kind of things about Thornbridge, I've always been into design and um, pump clip design. And um, going back to when they kind of first rebranded, it was always something I loved about Thornbridge. It was very clean and clear and classy. And I think it really matched their kind of beers, really. And I would love it when I could scan the bar and see what was on there. In terms of like beer styles over the year, I found that they've always mastered anything they put their hands to. And they've introduced me to some, uh, some styles along the way. I remember many years ago, um, before sour was really a big thing, I remember um, seeing a low 3% kind of beer called Berlina. And that was kind of my first introduction to a, a Berliner Weiss. And kind of other beers, similar things like um, St. Pe- St. Petersburg Stout. Um, at that sort of time, I'd never had anything that strong um, in, that kind of, in that kind of range. I mean, to sum it up, I think Thornbridge has, has class and style. And whether it's a core beer or a one-off, they never fail to satisfy my taste buds. And now it's time for the news. Yes, indeed. Hello and welcome to the first edition of Beer Here Now News. Uh, James here with Adam. Hello. Now this is exciting because for our first news edition, we have two pieces of exclusive news. Uh, one of them, the one that I'm going to mention first, is quite good fun for me because uh, I've managed to get hold of the Thornbridge Year of Beer list for 2019. Exciting. You haven't seen it. Exciting, can't wait. So I've picked out three highlights that I want to tell you about now and I want to hear your reaction as I tell you them. So uh, I'm just going to find these now. And so, right, okay, first of all, We've had pineapple halcyon. Yeah. We've had mango halcyon. How do you like the sound of? Can you guess which fruit it's going to be? Oh, um, grapefruit. Grapefruit halcyon. Guess it right. Uh, which is uh, it's going to be with us April time. Okay. So that's quite it's quite early for us. Nice sort of fruity. Beer, I suppose. I, I'm I'm a big fan of grapefruit beers as well. I yeah. think when they're when they're good, they're really good. Um, and the good thing about uh, Halcyon, of course, is that at seven point four percent, it already carries a good percentage for a, a grapefruit beer because yeah. they tend to be quite sharp. It works well with a with a good percentage. Yeah. So um, I think that's going to be good. Uh, right. What else? Thumbs up um, for that one. A beer called Cuba. That's Ooh. Cuba with a K. Okay. Any ideas what that might be? The fact that it's spelt with a K is probably misleading. So think sort about the country, like, Cuba. Yeah, is it some sort of rum influence? You're pretty beer? close, you're pretty close. It is a mojito sour. Oh, okay. oh, so uh, like Cuba will be coming in May. And one more that I've got to mention. Now, um, I think you, like the majority of us, have been a fan of the kind of spin-off Lucarias. Yeah, been good so far. All right. You're going to have to wait a little while for this, but come next December, Christmas pudding Lucaria. Mm, okay. So I've not yet had the chocolate chip one yet. So, I mean, I've enjoyed the salt caramel one. So that sounds like it could be quite interesting for us. Christmassy beer. I think that sounds good. I can see the rest of these, but I'm not allowed to tell you what they are. That's all right. Sorry, but um, suffice to say that they're all excellent. They're all on the uh, the keg list for the year of beer 2019. Uh, haven't got uh, the uh, cask list just yet, but keep an eye on the Thornbridge channels and it will be revealed very soon. 
Exclusive news number two, then, and this is probably really... This is brewery news. This is probably more important than me getting excited about the grapefruit edition of Halcyon, because <laughs> this is real big stuff. So, um, obviously, we're all aware of the fact that uh, there are now four Thornbridge beers that are available in cans, or three available now in cans, with Lucas coming very soon. And um, they have been canned at uh, Forpure, which is down in that their south somewhere. Uh, the big news is that the plans are coming together very nicely and that Thornbridge's own canning line will be going in around the end of February 2019. Mm, it's not, not long to wait then. Not long at all. Uh, there's a lot of work involved in this, so I know that in the next couple of weeks, so as we get into December, that uh, the the work will start on actually moving the the main offices and the uh, shop and uh, kind of where the little sort of bar is at the moment. Um, that's all being moved to a different building because that's where the canning line is going to be. So uh, big stuff that's going to be happening over the next few weeks, but proper exciting. Yeah. Also means you know they've got a new venue for you know, people to go and drink and see as well. So, ticks two boxes really. But it'd be nice to see what kind of comes out of that. Whether they're going to increase the numbers of beers that, that get that get canned, yep. or whether we're going to just keep with these four for now. But um, really exciting to, to hear. Absolutely. What else have we got going on? So, new website and new shop. Uh, the shop is. I mean, I'm not just talking about the fact that it's going to be um, a new online shop it's all new stuff that's going in it including uh some pretty incredible sounding jaipur merchandise um which yeah sounds really good i i I just want to raise the fact that when i um chatted to simon and and some of the people up at the brewery about um kind of plans for the shop my idea for a spin-off range of jaipur cat merchandise didn't go down very well okay not cat people. Not cat people. <laughs> What's next? All right, P. Kender, you were there this year? Yeah. I was there this year. Very good. Have you got your diary with you? Uh, I can put it in my, put it in my head. Put it in your head. Yeah. Save the date, the weekend of the 16th of August. Sounds good. That is going to be uh, a weekend of music, beer, and sunshine. I'm guaranteeing it right now. Oh, I'm going to say we've got some, we got some good weather last, last this year and some... Sort of not so good weather, but you know, bring your wellies, bring a Mac, bring your shorts and t shirts, sunglasses, yep, cover all bases, all of the above, and um, some other news as well. So, um, you'll know about this because it's been kind of knocking around for a little while. But uh, Thornbridge and Co., um, who are opening, I think it's 10 new pubs around the country over the next 10 years. Now, the first of those is in York. And um, the kind of finishing touches have been going on for the last few weeks. So the opening is going to be the first week of December. It's in the city centre of York. I, see, I've been to York a few times and I'd, I'd like to say that I kind of know York to an extent. I didn't know that there's a street in, in York called Jubbergate. <laughs> but there is. Good though, isn't it? I mean, it's a good... York is already pretty good for kind of going and mm. having a few beers and stuff, but this is going to be a good addition. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it's too far away from places like um, Pivney, which um, have had some associations with Thornbridge in the past and some good craft beers. Um, yeah, it's good to see them in that market. We've got Brew York opening there, or Tap Room and things, so it's kind of getting a little bit better over there, I suppose, moving away from the really old traditional kind of stuff to more, more modern stuff. So, yeah, it's been an exciting um, stop on a pub yeah. crawl. 
it will be good. Um, the second site is Birmingham, which there's no kind of date or anything for that set uh, yet. Which got me thinking, so we've got York, we know about, we've got Birmingham yeah. that we know about. That's eight more. Where in the UK needs a Thornbridge & Co pub? Well, I've been thinking about this, I've got a tactical one, based right. on good up-and-coming breweries and stuff in the area. Uh, maybe they, they need to put their little flag in there in the ground and that's probably Bristol I'm going to go for Bristol okay yeah alright Bristol it's more south as well so you know it's a little bit of a distance you can do alright up north but it's just just bridging that gap it's going a bit further south so yeah alright um, I'm going to say I'm going to say London and the reason <laughs> I'm going to say London is because at peak end of this year we were chatting to uh, the guys from the Beer O'Clock show yeah. uh, who um, I, see I, I just don't appreciate that for us based up in Sheffield how easy it is to get Thornbridge beers and particularly kind of new releases and stuff mm. because we've got several pubs up here um, in London it's a much trickier affair to get hold of um, some of the, the newer stuff that Thornbridge do so I reckon you know they, they know a thing or two about good beers down in London we should let them yeah. have uh, let them have a, a Thornbridge pub at last definitely yeah all right, Bristol and London are the two that are going on our list. Yeah. Uh, as soon as we find out about any of the other locations of those other eight, then we will let you know. If you would like to kind of maybe, you know, make the the selling point for, for your city or your town, uh, if you want to kind of put a bit of a pitch to us, drop us a line at Thornbridge Pod and uh, we will read with interest your suggestions as to um, as to where the next Longbridge & Co pub should go. Right, that's the uh, the news. Good, juicy edition of the news to get us underway. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what other exclusives we can rustle up for next month. Keep up to date with all the latest Thornbridge news on Twitter and Facebook. Just search for Thornbridge Brewery. The A to Z of Thornbridge. Hi, it's uh, Rob Lover here from Thornbridge Brewery, and A is for Atarnum, which is a hop which we predominantly use uh, in Jaipur. Uh, when I first came to Thornbridge, I because my background was quite Germanic in terms of brewing styles, uh, meantime brewery, we didn't really use that many US hops um, but when I came, when I started at Thornbridge I was amazed by how many hops we were using and um, Atarnum was one of the hops I hadn't come across before and it was part of the hop bill for Jaipur. I really liked the Atarnum hop because compared to a lot of the American hops and particularly with the new sort of trendy varieties that are now uh, people using everywhere right across the board um, you know like mosaic and citra it's quite subtle and it's a shame I think that people are forgetting about n- not only English hops but they're also forgetting about the more the original and more subtle American varieties and for me a lot of craft beer now is just tasting purely of citra and mosaic so it's still great to be using those hops and to me, it's it's quite a. It gives a honeyish note. It's more like Willamette crossed with Cascade, but it's not as simple as that. And um, it's a hop that we've, we're continuing to contract for. A lot of pe- other people have just forgotten about those sort of hops and pulled them out of their of their hop bill. But um, it's something we've definitely still contracted for, and we're going to keep using. Beer brief. So our first uh, beer brief 
is there's only one place we can really start, and that is with Jaipur. Um, it's James here. I'm with Simon, the CEO of Thornbridge. Hi, how are you doing? Um, Jaipur is a relatively important beer for, for Thornbridge, fair to say? I could argue it's a very uh, relevant and important beer for a lot of the craft brewing scene at the moment. But yeah, absolutely, the first beer we, uh, we, we, we became rather famous for. Um, tell us about the origins then, way back when, where did the idea come from? Yeah, it was interesting. It was, it's actually the third beer we ever uh, brewed. We brewed uh, a Low Marples and then a, a pale, pale ale called Blackthorn uh, back in the day. And it was then in June um, in uh, 2005 uh, that we first brewed the beer. And, and the idea back then was obviously we, 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 we could do whatever we wanted. You know, we didn't, we didn't have any heritage. We could, we could try this, that and the other. We'd started with quite traditional products in a pale ale and a, and a bitter. So this was an opportunity to brew uh, an IPA, but not a traditional English-style IPA at the time, more of an American-style IPA, because the brewers at that time were, were drinking those sort of beers, whether it be Goose Island or, or even a pale ale like uh, Sierra Nevada. So something to hop forward. And we had a, an opportunity of using a lot of American hops then because we were small and we could buy small amounts of this, that and the other. So the idea was to brew an IPA. Um, it had a working title of Mystery Blonde for uh, <laughs> 10 days before it was brewed uh, because one of the brewers had actually seen a Mystery Blonde who we'd seen him out with. So And, and, the, and then the name really came out of my business partner, Jim Harrison, got... Uh, was married in Jaipur so we were uh, at that stage and, and, and probably still true for maybe 70% of the beers had some heritage to the hall or, or the uh, inhabitants of it so that's where uh, Jaipur came from we brew in India Pale Ale we, 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 we used that name and then um, sort of 10, 10 days after brewing the beer we, we first tasted it and um, and well the rest is history after that really Give us an idea of the, the difference in scale to, you know, when you first started brewing that beer compared to now. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, it's an interesting one because it's, it's not just even on the scale of, of brewing, it's on, on the scale of sale as well. So back then we would have brewed maybe 36 casks of that beer and that could have taken us a month to sell. It was, it was that, you know, something like Jaipur was, was very slow to start with because it was strong. It was, you know, 5.9%, which was almost unheard of in cask beer in Britain at the time. Now we're brewing, we're brewing that uh, probably nine, nine times that amount per week and it all gets sold that week, you know, the week it's uh, released. So it's a huge difference. Uh, and, and as I've said before many times, you know, we, we could brew more Jaipur. We, we do... We do stop sales at a certain point because we have um, so many other beers to put into the plan. Um, uh, you, you mentioned the fact that kind of in the early days you were able to kind of use um, certain hops that maybe hadn't been used very much because it was on quite a small scale. Um, with with how it's grown over the years as a as a beer, how difficult has it been to to kind of scale that operation upwards? And and what kind of what, what things have changed along the way? Is it the same beer now as it was when it was first brewed way back when? Yeah, I mean it's interesting because because back then in 2005 we we had a very different take on 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 what brewers were doing at that stage. So generally English brewers would take three or four hop varieties and and, and blend those in different ways to create many different beers. We we viewed it then as because we had access to a to, to new world hops as well. Why wouldn't we try everything you could? So even within a year of starting the business, we were. We were using 50 varieties of hop back then, you know, because we could source them. They were small amounts, so easy to get, uh, and, and effectively, uh, you know, the brewers thought of of 
of the hops and malts as a, as a, as a chef's kitchen. You know, why wouldn't you try that one with that one and that one and that one? Because we didn't have the heritage to, to weigh us down. As we've got bigger, um, uh, Rob and his team now have to contract for those hops because it's, it's critical to us that we have, have the hops available to, to brew that beer. Um, over the years, we will have ch- we've added more hops to it. We've changed uh, yeasts at time, depending whether it's cask, uh, keg or bottle. Uh, so, so yeah, undoubtedly the beer the beer does change. And, and again, back in 2005, that was a major hop shock to people. You know, using using uh, you know uh, those hops at the forefront of the beer was a real challenge for people. It was a very very challengeable drink. Now it's less so for people. So we've, we've, we, we tune it accordingly and we, we, it always stays relevant as a beer. But it's, it's like the first curry you ever, you ever drank, ate. It would be sort of like, wow, this is really sort of hot. You know, two years into that curry, you've progressed onto the, onto the next one and three years in and so on and so on. So, yeah, I mean, we always look at Jaipur. It's got a great backbone of, of, of malt to start with uh, and then just supplemented with, with, with hops that we sort of um, think really suit the beer down to the ground. It's interesting talking about um, how it's a beer that stayed so relevant over the years for something that was quite revolutionary back in its day and then as the beer scene's changed has has almost become a a slightly more traditional beer compared to some of the other stuff that's around now but has always remained relevant and of course not long back was when um, Jaipur in cans was was first launched and that caused a major storm in the beer world you know there were a lot of people talking about that and it kind of proved just how relevant it it still is today Were, were you kind of surprised at the reaction and with the amount of interest that people took about Jaipur coming out in cans? I was actually, yeah, because fundamentally it's the same beer. It's exactly the same beer. You know, Rob and the team brew it to the same sort of spec, and it's, it is the same. But just with the interest in, in, in can over the last sort of two years, it's been phenomenal. And as you say, it was almost like a brand new product coming to market. There were shortages in, in, in every Tesco store because people were just taking it straight off the shelves. Um, and the sale rate alone on a beer that's, you know, we're talking about a sort of 13, 14-year-old beer, is uh, almost shot up 500 times, sorry, 500% of where we were uh, the week before in bottle. So it was, it was, it was almost taken as a, as, a, as a brand new product, and it was surprising, but the sale rates continued to be incredible, really. Do you get people kind of coming up to you at events and things and telling you stories about, you know, Jaipur being the beer that kind of set them off on their path to discovering proper beer you know it's a story that I kind of tell people about it was the first proper beer that that I had and it, it kind of you know set me off discovering all manner of things that results in me you know being sat here talking to you now however many years later yeah we do yeah we get brewers as well so you know the number of times I've had brewers come up to us and said that was the beer that sort of you know uh, n- not even awoke our industry but I sort of feeling for beer and it was a, a real sort of a real turning point, I think, in, in British beer that people sort of tasted a beer of full flavour um, and thought, wow, this is what beer can be. Because beer was very, very similar uh, back in the... Back, I'm saying back in the day, I'm talking 14 years ago, that's all. But, but generally, yeah, a lot of people did. And it's strange, actually, that it became a gateway beer for, for a lot of people because there's nothing within that beer that suggests it should be a gateway beer. It's 5.9% full of hops and people were stepping off a 4% blonde ale or a lager and coming into that, male and female. But there was something about the balance of that beer within it that really did make people think, wow, this is what beer can be. Even, even the, I've sort of told the story many times, the, the esteemed beer writer Pete Brown, 
I remember his, you know, he, he knew about the American style beers. He, he was drinking them over in the States, but there was nothing really akin to that in the UK. And when he, when he came over, he first tasted the beers and he said, how do you know about these beers? Because you've created this, this beer, you know. And, and he always says, you know, before then he was, he was drinking in black and white and he tasted Jaipur and all of a sudden everything's in colour. And that was the whole thing about the makeup of the beer. What about the future? Is Jaipur around for the foreseeable, uh, for the foreseeable months and years? I think the future remains orange, uh, undoubtedly on this. And Jaipur, yeah, it's you know it's fifty percent of what we brew. It's it, it continues to climb. Uh, where even though you will find Jaipur more accessible now than ever before, we just continue to find new people coming into the into in, into, into the industry and saying, "Oh, I've not tried Jaipur yet. Where do I get it from?" And, and we still find people. It's a beer that sticks, and there's a plethora of, of, of beers out there at the moment. But there there is a big sort of come back to you know a go-to beer and i think jaipur will always be that beer well now you know all about the beer the big question is how does it taste so james and adam here and we're going to do our taste test for jaipur now we should probably just start this by saying i think it's fair to say we've both drunk jaipur before Fair few times, yeah. A yeah. fair few times. Um, now we are uh, we're doing this using the new cans of Jaipur, which I've only had one of before. Yeah, I've had a, I've had a packet of them. You've had a packet, and, of and, them. The, and the initial one that we tried. It felt right that we did it using the the newer format because obviously Jaipur is a, a beer that's been around for a long time. Um, I've talked a few times before about kind of Jaipur and it being the first. You know, kind of what our class is proper beer that I ever had, um, and therefore what it kind of means to me, um, because it kind of started my journey into finding you know all the lovely beers that I love now, um, and if I'm honest, in a lot of ways, probably my beer tastes over the years have kind of gone off in a different direction, um, and your straight kind of middle of the road IPAs. Um, uh, probably not a style that I necessarily immediately go for. However, whenever I have a Jaipur, which is very often at Manchester Airport at five o'clock in the morning, it's still a fantastic beer. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I'm thinking back until from about what, 10 years in its kind of original incarnation when there's only a couple of bottled ones around, so that and Kipling. I remember thinking it was such a, such a good, strong tasting beer compared to whatever else we on the market at the time. And um, it's just kind of evolved. It's been nice to kind of drink it on cask for more than years and then to do the keg release of it. And I've gone back and forth on what I've preferred over those years. And I think you just kind of sometimes think, well, a nice summery version of a, of a cask version, which yep. is probably similar to what you'd expect from the can or the bottle. Uh, then sometimes you just want to flip it back and you think, oh, you know, back to where it originated from, the, uh, from the cask. So it's just, yeah, it's such a good, it's, it's really good to see it in its, in its what, the fourth Format. Fourth format, yeah, <laughs> it is. Um, so do you have a, a preference on how it should be drunk? Um, I think that's what it is. It just might, it switches day-to-day, day, I think. Right, okay. Not day-to-day, day, but um, I think at the minute, I'm back onto the keg version. So okay. how you would kind of sort of have it in cans, so sort the of really cold and fizzy version. But if it's on cask, and I'll definitely be kind of snapping that on the bar. I... Um, it's probably the only beer that I would say this about. Maybe there's a couple of beers that I'd say this about that I just think is so much better on cask. 
and, and I don't know if it's because I associate it with and I remember it from kind of all those years ago when I first had it, which was obviously on, on cask, um, and just loved it so much um, that whether it, it just triggers some kind of regression in my mind and just takes me back to that special moment of the first time you taste a beer and you just think, I didn't know beer could taste like this. I think it's one of the first beer. I think it probably is the first beer I've had on both both cask and keg. So it's it's, it's a nice kind of point yeah. to be able to see what what differences you get from that. And I think personally, I think there's a big difference between them. Mm. Um, and if you've not had one format, you've only had one or the other one. Seek the other one out. Whether yeah, yeah. That, whether that is a bottled version or this new can version or or a, or a pint of keg, if you you're lucky enough to find one, you will find that in Sheffield and numerous of the Thornbridge venues and. Sometimes I find it, you know, anywhere else. But um, just look for the big orange uh, sticker. It's, it's got to be the most accessible uh, beer, probably certainly around the UK, probably internationally as well. Um, in terms of, uh, I'm not just talking necessarily about cask and keg, but I'm, I'm guessing it's still probably the most accessible on those formats. But certainly, I don't think there'd be anywhere in the country where you're not going to find it in. A shop somewhere, either in bottles or, um, or or in cans. No, it's really accessible now, now supermarkets as well. So <clears throat> you don't have to rely on your kind of specialised bottle shop anymore for some like really top quality beer. And it, it it's just timeless. It's just a great timeless beer, and I can't I can't say anything. I, c- I can never say anything remotely negative about Jaipur, even if my own tastes have changed a, a little or you know continually changing really um it is just one of those most consistent beers that i come back to time and time again and i enjoy it every time that that i um that i have it and as i say you know it does tend to be in quite unusual some unusual places now where i do end up drinking jaipur such as manchester airport where i do fly from quite a bit um and you know it's always such a great way of of, of starting the day when you're going away somewhere even if it is ridiculously early in the morning. Um, and, yeah, it's just great. I'm going to put you on the spot and see what you got from it as a flavour profile. Oh, OK. <laughs> um, I get um, a, a lot of tropical flavours going on there. So the one thing that's on the can, which is I definitely get, is it says lemon zest. Yeah. Kind of straw, kind of lemon zest. It's very, very light, but it's got that nice sharpness to it, which you kind of get from sort of a citrusy kind of fruit. I think um, it's got so many, so many different hops in it: Chinook, Centennial, all, um, Simcoe, things like Cascade. It's also getting honey and lemongrass as well on the on the nose. If you're picking that up. Yeah, I can actually. Yeah, I think when you you, you really think about it, you can <coughs> make out all those. So Lem- lemongrass definitely. So the suggest- suggestion on the can food. Thinking lemongrass, it's going for a, it's suggesting a Thai curry. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I think I honestly think this is a beer that would work with just about anything that you're eating. To be honest, mm. I'm really enjoying the can version. It's kind of brought me back to it. It's kind of it's refreshed. It's refreshed the brand and it's refreshed the beer for me as well. It's as a as a beer that you know we've had often for well over ten years and keep going back to it. It's nice to. Have a bit of a kind of something that just refreshes it for you, and whether that is just the, the packaging format or the brand, it just kind of brings to light that. It's a brilliant, brilliant taste. I'm going to put us both on the spot now. <clears throat> oh God! Um, so we have to come up with three words that we're going to associate with this beer. So I'll give you a little bit of time. I'll go first, 
I'm gonna say crisp. I'm gonna say timeless. And I'm gonna say classic. They're gonna be my three words I'm gonna associate with Jaipur. I was gonna go somewhere in that, I'm gonna to have to find another synonym to uh You are. Um I think modern but classic at the same time. So I'm gonna go for both because I think it branches those two things. And just quaffable. Quaffable's a great word. Good description. <laughs> Good description. Overall, as expected, Jaipur, big thumbs up from us. We love to hear from you. Contact us on social media or through beerherenow.co.uk.